I'm Darren Millard, and this is In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. This week's gear segment, dealing with the jock. And I know everybody starts to giggle automatically, but this is serious business. And uh, Kevin Woodley is going to catch up with Cam and discuss protecting yourself in the best way possible. And from that very sensitive area, our feature interview this week deals with the mind. It's Belt Let's Talk Week, and we are going to catch up with Justin Goldman from the Goalie Guild and his Lift the Mask campaign and his endeavors and efforts to help goaltenders of all ages when it comes to mental health. As we bring in Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison is on assignment this week, and it just feels a, a little lonely, is because uh, Dad Dad's really developed into. At the start of this project, he decided that he was going to be doing a lot of the editing and uh, the production side of it, and he dipped his toe into the broadcasting world. And lately, he's been doing the the interviews, Woody. And and now I feel like we're lonely. He's running our show for sure. Yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, like deciding to do the. All of the production, the reality is the two of us can barely plug in our machines and connect on Skype, Darren. So without him, none of the production would have a yeah, chance of getting By done. default, yeah. right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, it is going to feel a little lonely. He had that great interview with David Leggio last week, um, but he's, he's, he's busy. He's on assignment, and that means no dad. So we can just run amok for the He next did tell hour. me a, a great story, though, uh, that uh, his son, Maddie was uh, playing in a, an event last weekend, and it was the NHL All-Star Weekend, and all of Maddie's teammates, uh, these uh, young teenagers, are gathered around, and they're watching the women's three-on-three uh, spectacular in St. Louis, and just mesmerized by the skill, the intensity, and the, the performance of the women. And a big shout-out to uh, Team Canada goaltender, Anne Renee Debien, who was spectacular and easily uh, the best player on the ice. And as an added bonus, should be on the podcast next week. We were, we really? were trying to set it up for this week. We're, we were going to have it this week, but then uh, it made a lot more sense, frankly, to have Justin on. I'm not sure why we didn't pre-plan this. This is going to seem like it was smart, but mm. it was just more, oh man, it's Bell Let's Talk Day. Let's get Justin on to talk about Lift the Mask. But yeah, we should have, they've got the rivalry series, obviously the three-on-three um, showcase that they had at the NHL All-Star Game, but right back to the rivalry series. And that means that Canada and the USA women's teams are going to be playing each other in Victoria next week, I believe on the Monday, February 3rd, and then right back at it at Rogers Arena here in Vancouver on the Wednesday, February 5th. And that means they're in my backyard, and that means an opportunity to have Anne-Renee Debian on the podcast, fresh off the heels of, like what you said, just a spectacular performance and uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a boy, girl, young, old, Maddie's teammates walked, watching around the rink as part, while they're at a tournament, um, guys watching it. I was at a, at a, at a, at a sort of alumni and old-timer uh, beer league-type tournament with the Canucks Autism Network, same kind of thing. Uh, everybody marveling at the skill and talent, so I'll have a chance to talk to her, and I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was great because they added some real intensity into a, a fun, loose environment of NHL All-Star Weekend and the skills competition night. And and they really brought it. It's such an incredible stage for women's hockey, and and the uh, the women certainly delivered and and brought just a just a different element and a different feel. And the the performance was was right up there. Like you you watch players and you we watch goaltenders some more specifically, and you go, okay, they're having a good night. Uh, 
but it was early on. You could tell uh, Anne Renee was just uh, just locked in and was going going for one of those special performances. And the question I had was, I didn't know how much have they played three on three against each other. We know the epic yeah. battles between Canada and the USA, obviously on the international stage, but it's always five on five. Like we don't, you know, we haven't at least. Obviously, the, in the women's leagues, the CWHL, the NWHL, there may be an overtime format there where they would have been comfortable with it. But I just personally, myself, hadn't seen the three-on-three and wondered how much of an adjustment. So that can be one of the questions that we ask. Because as much as players have to sort of figure out the systems and the strategies, we know as goaltenders, three-on-three is a different beast. Well, and she was great at uh, when making a save, if any way possible, moving the puck too. So uh, make sure you uh, to congratulate her on that because she was she was awesome at recognizing opportunities to to play the puck and uh, and avoid a face off uh, or a whistle or a stoppage uh, in in her own zone. So, uh I'm looking forward to that. I didn't realize that uh, Anne Renee Debian was going to be part of the the podcast next week on In Goal Radio. Uh the podcast presented by Sorcerer Sports Surrey, the Hockey Shop, the hockeyshop.com. Cam coming up from the Hockey Shop uh discussing uh cup protection and jocks in just a little bit. But our feature interview uh, this week dealing with uh, mental health and Justin Goldman uh, is somebody that uh, that you're a little bit more familiar with than I am. I know him. I know of him. I know his work. But uh, but this the in goal and and uh, the goalie guild kind of came on the scene roughly the same area, same time period. Yeah. Um. Very similar, I think. Around you know, I think Justin said 2008. I think Hutch and I got together with In Goal Magazine 2010. The Olympics, obviously, here in Vancouver, um, was the start of our relationship. But Hutch had started uh, InGoalMag.com a little bit before that. I'd obviously worked for uh, Goalie News and In Clark's publications, you know, as far back as 2002. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of synergy there. We've gotten to know each other a little bit over the years. I uh, had a chance to meet him. Obviously, he was a big part of the network goaltending symposiums. Uh, in Madison, Wisconsin first, and then in Nashville, and that was the first chance we actually got to meet in person. So kind of cool to have him on the podcast, and I think very fitting. We've had a lot of guests over the years talking mental health, whether it's Clint Millar, Chuck, Robin Lehner, uh, or Corey Hirsch. But what Justin's done and, and what he started, as he explains on Bell Let's Talk Day uh, with his Lift the Mask program, is, is, is a resource that can help goaltenders at every level of every age. And it was really fascinating to me to sort of get into that conversation with him about where those lines between mental performance and mental health are drawn if they're drawn at all and how the work he's done with lift the mask and the resources they provide fit into that his uh, interest and his production when it comes to goaltending has certainly evolved from the nuts and bolts of it uh playing the game and scouting into the mental health aspect uh, here is Justin Goldman from the Goalie Guild, Lift the Mask, our feature interview presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com on Ingle Radio, the podcast. This is going to be a wide-ranging conversation, so let's start at the beginning. And Justin, if you could just give us your background, uh, Goalie Guild, and then we'll get into Lift the Mask. Yeah, I mean, I started the Goalie Guild back in 2009. Uh, it was just at the time, it was just kind of a place for me to dump, you know, a whole bunch of observations and, and thoughts on goaltenders that I was seeing when I was doing some broadcasting for the Colorado Avalanche in Denver. And I was really fortunate, you know, just to do some radio during the day and do some post game analysis and 
obviously you get the uh, press pass with the PHWA or the PWHA, and then, you know, you get the opportunity to sit there and scout goalies during NHL games. And it was such a treat and a awesome opportunity for me um, to even get the chance to do that. And so, you know, the goalie guild just kind of sprung out of this opportunity to, you know, write some pretty rudimentary reports back then about goalies that I was watching um, come through and play the avalanche and, it just kind of grew from there. I think um, back then on social media, there was really only a few other people that was kind of talking about goalies at the time. And um, in goal magazine was, was definitely one of the first, you know, organizations and, and first couple of people to do that. So back then it was kind of easy to, to have your voice be heard in the goalie community, just because no one was really doing it at the time. Um, and things kind of grew from there. And that's kind of how I got the opportunity um, with NHL.com a few years after that. And then that led to the opportunity with uh, the USA Hockey National Team Development Program, where I actually got to do some scouting in the uh, Twin Cities region, which was an awesome opportunity um, to kind of get to do that for one year. And then, again, led to the opportunity to write some books with uh, the former Stars goalie coach, Mike Valley. Um, and that led to more you know, more opportunities to do more research. And, and that's when I started traveling overseas um, to Finland and Sweden to kind of study goalie development in Scandinavia and, and the culture over there. And then, um, yeah, I just continued on. And, and I think I came back from that trip in, in Finland um, where we did a camp with network goaltending in Baramaki and realized that I had an opportunity to, you know, move back to Colorado. I'd spent the two years in Minnesota. So I came back to Colorado, started working for the family business full time. And that gave me the opportunity to transform the goalie guild into a nonprofit uh, 501c3 foundation. So I was really fortunate again to have the opportunity to work for the family business full time and push the goalie guild into this new realm of, you know, giving back and offering scholarships. Um, and, and just trying to, you know, kind of eliminate some of the financial barriers involved in goaltending, just because we know gear is expensive, training is expensive. It's already an expensive sport when you're playing club or travel or AAA hockey. So this was kind of my way of, of giving back to the game um, by doing the annual scholarships and turning it into a foundation. And that's kind of where things are at now. It's been almost five years of this nonprofit journey and um, it's, it's been really rewarding and also really exciting to just continue to, um, not only learn about goaltending, but also again, just mentor and give back to the game and, and the goalie community. How would you break down the pie of the goalie guild now between analysis, evaluation, news, and the not-for-profit? Yeah. I mean, now it's a hundred percent nonprofit. Like obviously I love to watch games when I have the opportunity and, and break down goaltending technique. Um, but for now, you know, I left the family business last year and joined another nonprofit foundation here in Denver called MindSpark Learning. And MindSpark Learning is an education nonprofit, but they kind of brought me in as a director to build a new sports education program. And so that's my full-time job now. And the Goalie Guild is still kind of like that project on the side that, um, that's near and dear to my heart. And now it's just been really exciting to kind of take what I've learned in the nonprofit world and, and goaltending and apply that on a larger scale across all sports and kind of blending new age education and kind of how the education um, 
world is shifting to this new realm where it's a lot about SEL, which is, you know, social emotional learning and empathy based learning and just kind of tying in what's happening in the education world here in the U.S. into athletic development and kind of finding ways to use athletics to promote, again, that social emotional learning and that character development that's so important in young kids. So it's kind of a new program here at MindSpark Learning, but it's just been super rewarding, again, to kind of 100% go into this concept of education and nonprofit and kind of sports development as a whole. So Goalie Guild has sort of moved past or evolved past uh, the the mainstream day-to-day uh, evaluations or, or techniques and, and gear into uh, Lift the Mask? Yeah, I think Lift the Mask just over the past two years that this program's been around has definitely taken over a lot of the day-to-day operations, as you will. Um, you know, you do the research and you kind of look at what what's out there for um, goalies in terms of getting, you know, the specific type of help that they need and getting connected to the right people. So we know that goalie coaches do an amazing job of mentoring these young kids, but I think there's a lot of situations where goalies aren't, goalie coaches aren't necessarily sure, like exactly what to say. Um, they know that they want to help. They know that this goalie might be going through a certain type of issue, but they don't want to push the wrong button. So instead, sometimes they don't say anything at all. They don't approach that goalie at all. And so Lift the Mask was kind of born out of this idea that the goalie community needs something that's goalie-specific, that's going to help coaches and the goalies find the right type of support as easily and as efficiently as possible. And so that's kind of how the program developed. It was just an idea that I had literally exactly two years ago on Bell Let's Talk Day in 2018. You know, I was just kind of sketching something on my free time, you know, thinking about a lot of the stories that come out during the day um, and how we've seen this global movement towards improving and and just kind of normalizing the conversations about mental health and sports and in all areas of life. And I just I knew there weren't really a lot of goalie specific resources um, that were really targeted on mental health and helping goalies, you know, quote unquote, lift the mask and get the right type of support, whether that's through a mental skills coach or a sports psychologist or consultant or something like that. And so realizing that there wasn't really a lot in the United States that was athlete specific um, for mental health initiatives or obviously hockey specific, um, that's kind of where the idea idea came out of. And it was something that was near and dear to my heart and something that I knew uh, the goalie community really appreciated. Um, And again, considering I was running a nonprofit foundation um, it made perfect sense. And it was something, again, that I just loved the idea of kind of building and growing and creating that resource, creating that platform where goalies can come and share, you know, things that they might be going through, um, giving them a place to vent anonymously. Um, so they know that they may not be in fear of, you know, being cast aside by their coach or losing playing time. And so there's just that like anonymous platform um, and that safe space for goalies to really reach out or even coaches and parents as well um, that are involved in the goaltending position, because it is such a different, unique role, as you guys very well know. Um, And so there's got to be goalie specific resources and connectors out there in order to give everyone a chance to, you know, get better and get the help that they really need. I want to get into some of those resources uh, and specific resources uh, in just a little bit, but uh, just to loop back when you 
talked about goalie coaches and and students and and having that conversation and not knowing uh, what to say or or how to go about it. Can can you give me an example of uh, of maybe where that would fall through the cracks? Yeah, I mean, I think I think first and foremost, like we all experience trauma and anxiety and depression in different ways, and every goalie is going through something whether they're actually playing the game or it's something off the ice. And that is like what makes goaltending so difficult is you're alone with your thoughts in the crease. No one's there um, to give you positive reinforcement um, all the time. It's, it's just you alone in your own thoughts in the crease. And so as a coach, if you don't live with it, you can't truly understand it because everyone is experiencing, like I said, anxiety or depression or OCD or any of those common disorders that we see with goaltending, they're all experiencing it differently. So what do you often hear as a coach when a goalie, you know, may actually try be trying to open up, they say, you know, a goalie is going to say something like, well, you have no idea what I'm really going through. Like that's just an, a common phrase that we hear, you know, maybe it's from your kids or it's from teammates or whatever the case may be. And like, that's a legitimate comment to make. Of course, we don't truly understand what you're going through. But the question, I think, what comes out of it as a goalie coach or as someone who just wants to mentor young athletes and, you know, help them become the best version of themselves is, well, as a coach, how can I learn how to better understand what this goalie may be going through? And that is where this concept of social emotional learning and empathy based learning becomes so important for coaches to develop those skills. And these are skills that you can develop. And there's a lot of great resources out there that we try and promote uh, through the Goalie Guild and through conversations that I have and, and through MindSpark Learning that's focused on these skills, social emotional learning and empathy-based learning. And there's a lot of examples of these things. I think you, you, know, you guys probably experience it every day. It's, we're trying to understand what a goalie is going through and we're trying to communicate and we're trying to uncover why certain characteristics kind of pop up during a game or why certain disorders um, might pop up during a game and being able to understand another individual and really put yourself in their shoes and have those conversations where you're opening up and you're sharing things that may be a little bit uncomfortable because you're talking about feelings and you're talking about emotions. Like that is a skill that coaches need to develop. And that's, what's really going to not only help you kind of, um, vibe with your student and with your athlete, but it's also going to help you kind of gain a better perspective of what goalies are going through at this day and age. Because again, it goes back to that one idea that if you don't truly live with it, you can't really understand what that individual is going through, but you can always try and understand them better by having good conversation and having wholesome conversation that's safe, um, where there is no judgment being cast on that individual it's just truly trying to listen and understand their perspectives, putting the judgment aside and trying to understand their feelings so that you can better understand what buttons you need to push or how you need to approach certain situations that may arise in the future. Justin, you talked about, um, you kind of mentioned disorders and mental health and obviously Bell Let's Talk Day um, being a catalyst for Lift the Mask a couple of years ago. And obviously we're talking to you today on Bell Let's Talk Day. So the synergy there is perfect. Where's that line between, and maybe there isn't a line, maybe it's all the same, between you know dealing with some of the disorders you mentioned, depression, anxiety, um, bipolar, 
uh, any of those sort of you know, what we think of as mental health disorders and mental training, sort of a trend that we've seen in goaltending. We've spent time with guys like John Stevenson who've worked with Holpe and Hart and Pete Fry doing articles on, on, on InGoal and, and on the new InGoal site. Um, like, where does that line, where does Lift the Mask fit into those lines? Are those lines just completely blurred and it's all, it all falls under the same category? Is there some separation between sort of, you know, quote unquote mental training and getting help on the mental, mental health side of things? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it's, it's really interesting to talk about because for me, I think they're blurred. And what we try and do is like, we want to remove the stigmas surrounding mental health by approaching it with a younger goalie as mental performance. And so I think the work that John Stevenson and Pete Fry and, 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 you know, the articles that you guys are posting about mental performance, like actual mental skills, whether it's focus or confidence or um, visualization, like those things, those things are super, super important because that's going to start those conversations about the actual emotions and the feelings that goalies may be having. So I think the lines are blurred, the lines are blurred. And that is a good thing. I see that as a positive because any way you can, anytime you can kind of like eliminate or kind of shed the stigma surrounding mental health, which, you know, when a goalie, a young goalie might think of mental health, they might automatically think, Oh, well, that means there's something wrong with me. Um, No, it's not about that. It's like, look, even the most elite NHL goalies are battling with some of these issues, whether it's confidence or um, not looking too far ahead or not looking back at the past, whether they gave up a bad goal or had a bad streak, but mental performance and working on those mental skills is also going to benefit your mental health because you're becoming more aware of who you are as an individual and how you respond or how you react or what kind of personality traits you have when these things are happening and they're happening all the time. So it's one thing to just kind of be, you know, oblivious to the fact that you're dealing with certain pressures and you're dealing with um, all of the different, uh, the wide spectrum of mental health and mental skills. But if you go in and you have that target of, I'm going to work with a mental skills coach because I want to get better at, at sustaining confidence over the course of the season at the same time, you're also improving your mental health because the awareness is there. You're having conversation. Um, you're taking it upon yourself to kind of look at yourself from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. And that's just going to make you more aware. And that's going to improve the relationship that you have with your coach, which is going to improve the better performance, going to improve the relationship that you have with yourself as an individual. And again, it kind of all radiates out. And I think that's why the lines are blurred. And that's why I love seeing like this kind of influx, like you said, Kevin, this influx of like more mental skills, more mental training. Um, it's kind of moved past the idea of just like, yes, we understand that your eyes are probably your most important um, um, physical skill as a goalie. And now it's like, well, the eyes are connected to the brain and the brain is really the most important like tool that we have as a goalie. So what can we do to make our brain perform 1% better? And so those mental skills and the mental coaches and all of that stuff, I think, leads into it, which one, helps eliminate the stigma around mental health, and two, gives goalies an opportunity to work on some of these skills um, without fear of being, again, like judged or cast aside or feeling like they've got to like 
work their way through their career with a shadow hanging over them, like they've got something wrong with them. So I, I think that's a great question, like a really cool discussion to have, because I think those lines are totally blurred and that's a good thing. Do you think it's a coincidence? Like goalies have led the way on this, Justin. Yeah, you're leading the way with Lift the Mask in terms of a support mechanism and that conversation getting out um, to a broader audience and access to that conversation below the pro levels. But in the pro ranks, like goalies have led you know, a lot of these articles that we're seeing, whether it's Robin Lehner on The Athletic uh, opening up, you know, right back to 2014, I remember Ben Scrivens, you know, raising awareness with with some specialized masks dedicated to mental health when he was with the Oilers. Uh, Corey Hirsch has been a guest on our podcast. Um, Clint Malarchuk, uh, obviously, and everything he's gone through, we've had him on. Uh, guys like Jonathan Ilhati writing writing stories about his experiences. You guys working with with people like Ben Meisner to raise awareness. Like goalies seem to be central to this conversation. Is there something about the position? that you think creates, not creates or lends itself to maybe these attributes are are people with the attributes drawn to the position or vice versa, or does the position itself just make us more willing to talk about it openly? And this, you know, statistics probably say this exists elsewhere in the locker room. It's just the guys wearing the masks that are with, that are willing to, to borrow the phrase from your foundation, lift the mask. Yeah. Yeah. Man, again, that's like, it's such a good question because I, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's goalies are a product of their environment and, and, but also goalies have the ability to control a lot of the thoughts that go through their mind because they are completely isolated in the crease. So again, I think it's a little bit of, uh, of like, it's a little bit of both. And I think at least for me personally, like once I just started to see these stories pop up, like you listed them all, almost in like perfect chronological order, by the way, which is super impressive. Like that's, that's awesome. Cause you like pretty much nailed all of the really major, super impactful, super influential stories that have come out from goalies um, over the past five, you know, six, seven years now. I think it's just a matter of time before goalies realize that if they don't talk about their emotions and their feelings and what they go through on a daily basis, when they're performing um, at such a high level and they're training at such a high level and they're embracing this grind um, that you guys know, know about really, really well. Like it's, it's just going to burn you out and it's just going to weigh you down. And eventually you have to lift that mess. You have to find a way to vent some of the frustrations or some of the fears or some of the anger or some of these negative kind of um, emotions that you're dealing with, because if you don't, man, it can really affect your life long-term. And I think the perfect example of that is Tim Thomas when he came out at the USA Hockey Hall of Fame um, induction ceremony. Like, that was really, really impactful for me because, you know, growing up watching Tim Thomas and seeing how much he battled and what he went through to even make it to the NHL and just, like, how big of an impact he had on the Boston Bruins organization and everything that came along with all the awards and like you just, you, you put this guy on a pedestal and, and you consider him an icon and an idol. And then you see the human element. You, you see what it does to him and what it's done to him um, since he retired. And, and then it all starts to kind of, kind of manifest itself in, in very interesting ways. And you can't help but feel that emotion. Um, you could cut it with a knife in the room, I'm sure. And just watching the interviews and, and his reaction to everything, like 
the motion that he showed, I think was so powerful because it, it proved and it showed to everyone, whether you're a goalie or, or a defenseman or you're doing something totally different with your life outside of hockey, like you need to talk to someone. You need to talk to someone because if you don't and you bottle it in, it's only going to make things worse. And it's only a matter of time before people can only handle so much and something, something bad happens. And so, you know, that's kind of been my experience too over the past few years is like, we're all dealing with stuff. Um, you know, to open up a little bit personally, like I met my wife in Finland totally randomly four or five years ago, four and a half years ago, we didn't see each other for six months straight dealing with, with the visa process. And I didn't talk to anyone about it. And that had such a negative impact on me. It affected my work. It affected my play in the beer leagues. It affected the way I, I, you know, managed relationships and friendships with family and, and goalie coaches and friends that I work with and talk to every day. And when I finally opened up to someone about what I was going through and how much it was really affecting me, just the weight that comes off your shoulders and you feel so empowered to take that experience and go share it with someone else that you know might be struggling. And that's kind of why, you know, some of the, some of the tweets that I put out today on, on Bell Let's Talk Day, it's like, it's not just about what lifting the mask can do for you as an individual who needs help. It's also like what that, message and what that act does for other people because every time you talk to someone or you see someone else talking or you share a story like some of the awesome stories that you guys have shared on on this podcast over the past year it's like it really does make a difference in how other people start to approach their own lives and by seeing all these stories about these goalies that have gone through so much trauma um and and so many difficult moments in their lives it does it does make a huge impact because it comes that it becomes that much easier for you to go and talk to someone else about whatever it is you're dealing with. And that's why I think it's exponential in the goalie world that goalies, and now you're seeing it, Kevin, like you're seeing the goalies kind of be at the forefront of mental health and hockey. One, because the demands on the position are so extreme. Two, because we're kind of alone with our thoughts. And, and I think we need it more and I know that's a very biased comment to make and everyone's different, but I feel like goalies especially just need that soundboard, need that mentor or that connection or that somewhere they can go or that someone they can talk to. Um, and three, because it's so extreme and because we're willing to open up, um, it's making it easier for more athletes and more young goalies and, and pretty much anyone to go out and talk to someone. Um, so a bit of a long-winded answer, but again, it's great discussion and it, it kind of all comes back full circle to like, this is what the situation is. And by like, just kind of living life with a little bit of more empathy, um, you can really have drastic influence on not just one individual, but a whole community and a whole sport. I'll put this to both of you and Kevin, you can answer first and, and Justin play off it. Do you think goaltending and the position allows and clears an avenue for goaltenders to be more public, to seek uh, a conversation, to lift the mask, uh, to uh, to borrow your term, Justin, uh, more so because goaltending and the, the position already lends itself to being odd, different, uh, left field? Uh, I, it's funny. In some ways, I can see it, and, and I thought Justin expressed a lot of those thoughts just now really well in terms of why 
goaltenders are at the forefront of this and why they, you know, they need the help. But on the other, like on the other side of it, like because it's been so easy for so long, maybe it does make it easier because the the stereotype has been, you know, that the goalies are just different and, you know, odd and things that phrases we wouldn't throw out anymore, but that's been the perception for so long. And yet at the same time, like any perceived mental weakness in a position that is so mental and so tied to mental strength, like I think it's incredibly but it would brave. Be, would it be brave. harder, Kevin, for a for a, uh, a first line centerman to do this and and go public and and have a conversation with his coach or his or his assistant coach or his manager than than a, than a goaltender? Well, I would think for a goaltender, like admitting mental weakness as publicly as some of these guys have done, or or something that I shouldn't say admitting mental weakness, but something that others may perceive as mental weakness is actually riskier. Like to me, that's, that's braver. So, and I would think that for a first line center, just because I think it's brave of anyone to do it, let's be honest, but I think it actually would be tougher for, it should be tougher for goaltenders and yet they continue to lead the way. So not a very good answer by me, but you know, I I've seen, I know full well talking to goalie coaches and management people around the league, how some of these things get held against guys. And so as much as we may say oh, it's easier for goalies because of the nature of the position, like don't kid yourself. Like they're being judged when they admit some of these things and not always for the positive when it comes for times like contracts and stuff. So, you know, I think a center or a defenseman in some ways it should be easier for them because the position isn't tied so, you know, intimately to mental strength. But that yeah. said, it's not easy but for anyone, coaches, right? This, this is like hard. Think that they they understand what a forward or a defenseman are going through, and then they just leave the goaltending to the to the goal that's, coach. That's a good yeah. counter. Yeah, yeah, and I think Kevin, I, I think I think it's you're right, 100 percent, because we all know why is there so much pressure on a goalie? Well, because there's only two spots. Like you're either playing or you're not, and everyone wants to be playing, and so you don't have that luxury of being dropped from the first line to the second line, second line, third line, third line, fourth line. Like you don't have that luxury as a goalie. It's either, again, you're in or you're not. And um, every goalie that's made it to a pro rank or the NHL has a lot of pride because to make it that far means they've had a lot of success and they've played a lot of games and they've been, you know, fairly consistent enough to not only improve every day, but make it to that top one percentile of goalies in the world that make it to that level. So once you get there, you've worked so hard. The last thing you want to do is compromise that in any way, shape or form. And you don't have any flexibility because again, there's only one or two spots that can be one of two spots that can be filled. So I think that's why it's tougher for goalies to come out, but also why it shows how incredibly, um, mentally strong they actually are because they are still coming out with it even though they know it's going to have an impact and again the conversations normalizing the conversations letting everyone know that it's okay to not be okay that's why it's so important because goalies have to be able to vent they have to be able to say like i need a break or i'm not doing well right now i don't care if it's going to cost me a couple of games because I need to be able to see the longer picture and the bigger picture here. I've got a family, I've got kids, I've got other people that depend on me. So I have to be present with my family, but all these other things that come into play beyond just the competitive nature of goaltending, which I think, you know, Robin Leonard's been so outspoken about, you know, how it 
what he went through affected his family and affected his relationship with his kids and how that became front and center on his journey to health. And I think that's so important for younger goalies to understand as well is that it's not all about what you do on the ice. It's also what you bring to your family, how you are as a human being, how you are as a role model. And so that holistic approach is something that I really gravitated towards, you know, almost 10 years ago now when I met Mike Valley for the first time, he was so good at understanding like, and other, a lot of other goalie coaches as well, obviously, but you know, Mike was the one that I gravitated to and we became really close and started writing the books and stuff. But like, he truly understood when he was working with, you know, Marty Turco and Kari Lettinen that they needed that human element in the coaching as well. They needed someone that was more than just an X's and O's guy. They needed someone that was a really close friend. And, you know, yeah. 10, 12 it's sort of the root of the ago, whole goalie coach thing was just a sounding board. That, that was sounding the board, base. Yeah. 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 Not sorry. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to cut you off, but I'll just, I'll just finish by saying like, what do we look at now when we look at some of the best NHL goalie coaches, a guy like Mitch Korn, for example, yes, the X's and O's are there and the strategy and the technique stuff is there, but they're also amazing friends and amazing sounding boards. Like you said, Derek, to these, co- to these goalies, I think that plays such a huge role in their ability to have that like emotional stability um, and that ability to, you know, kind of push past the fears or push past the anxiety of not performing well and just keep them on the right path towards getting 1% better every day. I'm, I'm curious about your, your research and uh, assessment of goaltenders versus players or society. The, the numbers have been fairly consistent over the last uh, number of years that one in five suffer from uh, a form of mental illness. Do you think that one in five is higher among goaltenders? I think it's five and five, to be honest with you. And I came upon this kind of research and this idea through an organization called We're All a Little Crazy, which is the organization that um, Robin Leonard is a part of and advocates for. And the guy who runs that organization, his name's Eric Cusson, and he was in pro sports for probably 15 or 20 years. And through his experiences and all the amazing advocacy work that he's done, like what he is really taught me as an individual, you know, as I continue to try and mentor goalies and, and bring this um, advocacy to, to the goaltending community is that, look, let's stop looking at mental illness or mental health as the extreme cases of anxiety or the extreme situations that a guy like maybe Robin Leonard has gone through. Let's talk about it as if we're all going through something because that's the reality. The reality is like whether we admit it or not or whether we truly understand or not, Everyone is going through something that is going to um, cause them to not be at their best. And this is a battle that we all face every single day. And every single goalie in the NHL is, is going to be dealing with something, whether it manifests itself in their actual performances on the ice or it manifests itself with, you know, anger towards teammates or not gelling in the locker room or, not being able to really dial it in and be consistent, whatever it may be, everyone's going through something. And I think that's the important role, whether or not it's scientifically proven or the stats are out there that um, maybe it's three in five people, or maybe it's two in five people that are dealing with a legitimate mental health issue. Um, For me, what I'm starting to truly understand and what I've really noticed is that 
we could all use a little bit of support with our mindsets, with our mental health, and that it's not about what illness this person or that person has. It's that mental health is on a spectrum. And there are some times where you don't feel great when you wake up in the morning and you're not having a great day. And there's other times when you're on top of the world and everything just seems like you're in heaven um, and everything's clicking and everything's going well. But wherever you fall on that spectrum, there are still ways that you can be 1% better or that you could feel 1% better. Or like I kind of go back to at the top of, of the segment when you first brought me on is how do we just become more understanding of what other people are going through? Because the more that we understand that mental health is on a spectrum and that we're all probably somewhere in there mixed around floating from one side of the spectrum to another, you know, day by day or week by week or month by month, it's that capacity to understand a human being and be able to like go up to someone with confidence when you know they're struggling. And instead of, again, being afraid of pushing the wrong buttons or saying the wrong things, like having that confidence and having that empathy to go up to a goalie or, or a teammate and say, Hey man, like, I know things didn't go great on the ice tonight. Like, do you want to talk about it or what can I do to just help you? Or like, Hey man, here's a lift the mask helmet sticker. Like just wanted to give you one of these just to let you know, like, I'm here for you, man. You know, I'm like, it's such a simple thing, but it's so hard for people to do because they just don't necessarily have the confidence because they're not used to doing it on a regular basis. And I think that is where like the research is really kind of trending towards is like just having that ability to normalize the conversation by just being yourself. Like you don't have to have any special skill sets. You don't need to have a credential or a license to be able to help someone with their mental health. Right. Like it's just that empathy. And I think the empathy based learning, um, which is really fun to research because you can even look at like how VR, for example, is being used to teach empathy-based skills and students and teachers. Like that is the key for me is like the social emotional learning and the empathy-based learning is, is really valuable. And it's something that every coach can benefit from every human can benefit from, and that helps normalize the conversation. And I think that is, that is kind of what my research, like what I've been digging up. And, and so I go back to like that full thought of, yeah, it's, it's not one in five. It's truly five in five because we all fall somewhere on that spectrum. So a young goaltender listening to this should do what if they're experiencing some of these symptoms? Talk to someone. Um, and how, know how do that you start okay. that conversation? Like, yeah, how you start that conversation. So, you know, it could be as simple as sending a text message to a buddy or a coach, um, but also like if you're looking for real specific targeted um, actions to take is like go online and 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 go to you know starting you know we're right in the middle of launching our new lift the mask website so you can go to the goaliegill.com you know forward slash lift the mask and over the weekend it'll transfer over to just liftthemask.com and if you're a goalie and you just don't know what steps to take or where to even start or you're not even sure exactly what you're dealing with the resources are there on that website to either connect you with a mentor or one of our ambassadors, a guy like Ben Meisner, who's just always willing to talk to anyone, no matter what they're dealing with. So the ambassadors is a great place to start because that's a, a, a person who is currently playing at an extremely high level that has dealt with something in the past. So these, ambass these ambassadors are, you know, living, have lived through it or are living through it and are great resources to help a goalie overcome those things. 
or if you feel like you need professional help, like an actual sports psychologist, it's literally one click on our, on our new website and you get basically thrown into this portal where you can type in um, your zip code or your address and find like a radius within five to 25 miles of all the different types of sports psychologists and mental health uh, providers and mental skills coaches in your area. And that portal is really valuable because now you have the options in front of you. And it's really just a matter of like, let's help you find the right type of care. If you think you have like a legitimate issue with OCD or anxiety or depression, here's the right resource. If it's something different, maybe it is, you know, like you guys said, it's more on the mental skills and mental um, performance side of thing. Like you just want to improve your confidence because you're feeling down and you're not too sure how to get back on track. Like lift the mask is all about creating a platform where we can provide you with the right type of support so that one, you're not wasting time and two, you're getting the help as quickly as possible. Um, and I mean, there's so many amazing resources out there online, as you guys know, um, you've had conversations with Corey Hirsch and all the work that he's doing. Um, there's a wide spectrum out there and there's a lot of great resources. And that's, what's great about this movement is that everyone's kind of getting behind it. Everyone wants to help everyone. And that's just creating this awesome plethora of, of resources out there that you can tap into. Um, but goalie specific, it's great to know that, you know, list the mask is there for anyone that needs it. And, you know, I'm always around to talk to guys. Um, and, and I think again, just making yourself available and, and letting people know that you're there for them is, is half the battle. Awesome. Uh, Justin, congratulations on your endeavor and, uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much. It's, it's truly an honor to be on the Ingle podcast. Like I loved a bunch of the episodes in the past, obviously, but, um, shout out to Kevin and you guys for doing, uh, the interview with Tomas Magnuson because he's, uh, he's like. He's like the Mitch Korn of Sweden, right? And so I thought that was a fascinating interview and, and one I really enjoyed listening to. Well, Justin, on behalf of the entire goaltending community, thank you for everything you do, not just Lift the Mask, but beyond. Uh, it, it's sincerely appreciated and uh, not just for joining us today, but for everything. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, it's been awesome. And keep up the great work with everything at Ingoal. Like, same thing. You guys do a tremendous job and it's, crazy to think we both kind of started back in whatever it was 2008 2009 and the journey that you guys have taken uh is amazing and um yeah keep up all the great work over there really appreciate it thanks justin there's a lot in that interview uh woody and maybe more than anything we walk that fine line between stigmatizing goaltenders as different, as unique, as odd, strange, whatever adjective you want to use, and just players who play a high-stress position who are going to be uh, under maybe a little more stress than, than a, a regular skater. And it's funny, you talked about how it can manifest itself when things aren't right outside of the rink and you bring it to the rink. And I think we can all relate to that. I don't, and it doesn't, not even, not even if it doesn't necessarily have to be completely from a like mental health, um, in terms of being diagnosed with a disorder or, you know, something as official or as deep as that, just not being in the right mindset at a game or having other things that are going on in your life in a game. And the things he said that can lead to 
maybe for some of us beer leaguers, it might lead to, I don't know, you know, shooting a puck at a guy after he whacks your glove. Done that. Yeah, did it this week and was not too proud of it. But it was funny looking back at it, like like right after Darren, I I was not there mentally. I did not want to be there at that game. I'd played five games in the previous four days and had a late 10, 15 start. And I just, I just wasn't there mentally. And I took it out on sort of the people around me at the game and looking back on it, just the, that lack of awareness mentally, that lack of sort of ability to recognize that, you know, like you can't play hockey, you can't play goal, especially when you go into it with that type of mindset and how it manifests itself, you know, in this case, in a way that was actually, you know, pretty, pretty embarrassing. Uh, when I look back on how I, how I reacted, it's, it, it's, it is a position that's all about mental, whether it's at that, that tiny little level like that, where you just act like a bit of a, a child or obviously for guys who go through much deeper, tougher things and tougher struggles, how it can affect you on the ice and recognizing the importance of sort of, you know, talking to people and, you know, being upfront about those things and how maybe even just clearing your chest about how your day and your life is going heading into that game might help you actually change the way you perform within it. Hey, you know what? Cut yourself some slack because every story that you've got, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not a big fan of one uppers, but I can one up you on almost every goofy, uh, childish, uh, immature, uh, dumb uh, act uh, over the course of the years. And that's, and that's I, good I, to know I'm not the only snaptastic I, member oh, no, no, of, no, no, of no. the Ingle Beer League squad. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I once, I, I started a brawl in a shootout one time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and it was a company hockey tournament. So that, there you go with that one. Uh, but, uh, and I will, we'll tell the story at some, we'll compare Snaptastics maybe when we don't have a feature interview, but you know, there's, there's always the one or two guys in your league where they're the nicest guys and, and then they step on the ice and they, they just become a different person. Game seven. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if there's something there with, with mental health on, with, with, those people because it's it's just bizarre that personalities can change so much when you put on skates and and, and a helmet and uh, give them the hockey stick well maybe as as simple as being a release but manifest itself yeah. in the wrong way the release is to go over the edge and to to find intensity levels that you know just are frankly inappropriate for for beer yeah. league hockey yeah no no question it's uh i, I probably fall under that category for much of my life and I, I like to think I'm matured a little bit now, but but probably fall under that category. And I wonder. I mean, uh, I, I've had my documented uh, encounters with with mental health, and it just I I wonder how many of those people there there are out there that just whether it is that release or whether it is something else. Well, and we've seen it a lot of talk on social media today with Bell Let's Talk Day. Um, before and after I noticed it, uh, and sort of following along, uh, before and after our conversation with Justin about, you know, some people reacting negatively on social media, bashing people, responding to posts, sort of trolling and how mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember who it was. And I apologize for not having done this research, but basically the person went and sort of tracked down some of these people who were the most negative in their responses and found that a overwhelming percentage of them we're dealing with mental health issues and that that sort of mechanism to sort of troll and bash other people online anonymously was sort of part of the, was sort of part of this whole picture. So it's, I think it affects, I think like what Justin said, it's not one in five, it's probably five and five just at varying levels. And when we think about it, I think it probably affects all of us. 
And so anything we can do to open the conversation up, whether it's, you know, serious diagnosed problems that require uh, help uh, in terms of medication or just even needing to talk more. Um, I've spent time with a psychologist over the years and, and had it do incredible things for me and where I was at, especially coming out of university and some, you know, what is the line from Jerry Maguire? Breakdown, breakthrough. Um, mm-hmm. It's ultimately le- what led me to journalism from a uh, statistics and computer science double major to a journalist. So these, these types of things um, at every different level, at every different degree, uh, the fact that the conversations are now normalized and it's okay to talk about the fact we've had these conversations, these experiences and sought help um, is a positive. And how about just let, let's make life easier for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that and, and having making yourself better and just, just making sure that you've got the best possible positioning when you wake up every day to have a better day. It's, it, you don't, it, there's all kinds of extremes uh, as with this as, as so many other things in life, but uh, it doesn't have to be the most dire situation and it doesn't have to be the most benign uh, circumstance, but just do what you can to, uh, to make sure that you have a, a better day. Uh, and a better situation is, uh, is this week's uh, gear segment. And I tell you what, if you want to take care of your head, and we've talked a lot about masks over the course of this, this podcast, and making sure that your mask fits right, and your, your cage is in the right area, and you wear a dangler, even though some of us on this podcast don't, but, but making, making sure that you're doing the smartest thing and uh, the safest thing to protect yourself. We, we've never talked about jocks, have we? No, we haven't. We haven't. I wasn't sure where you were why? going there. Um, I don't know why. I, it's funny because it's, I mean, I've written stories about this right up to the NHL level and the amount of guys that arrived in the NHL wearing a single cup and quickly realized within one practice that, oh no, that's not going to cut it here. I need two yeah. and sometimes three. So like a traditional player support with the cup tight um, to the body and then a double cup on top of it. We, we haven't had this conversation and you know, the perfect place to go and have that conversation is with Cam and the crew at the hockey shop. And sure enough, goalie jocks, not just the different models and the different options that are available, different price points, different features, but how to properly fit it just like everything else, how it integrates with your pants, how it integrates with your chest protector. I should have known that Cam would have that all mapped out, that he would have these answers. That's why I go to the hockey shop. That's why you should go to thehockeyshop.com or contact them directly with your questions. This isn't just a bunch of kids pulled off the street out of high school selling goalie gear in their spare time for minimum wage. These are guys that play the position, know the position, love the position, have a real passion for the position and can help you find equipment that will allow you to play it better. And in the case of jocks, a lot safer so make sure you check out the Hockey Shop Sorcerer Sports in Surrey or check them out online at thehockeyshop.com and you'll get answers like the ones we got from Cam this week when it comes to protection for that important area south of the belt. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports here in beautiful Surrey, British Columbia. We're back down in the basement with Cam Matwiv talking a little goaltending gear. The basement, as I like to call it, goalie heaven, looking around, surrounded by equipment. It is not a bad place to be this afternoon. Um, We have, however, sequestered ourselves into the dark corner (laughs) of the Hockey Shop goalie department where this corner is reserved for protection, important protection, cans, goalie cups. 
Goalie jocks. jocks. What is that? What's the proper terminology these days? I usually say just goalie jock, but okay, goalie jock it is. Um, it's important, whatever it is. Are there differences? Do you size these things in terms of waste, in terms of preferences? Do you do you get these people to try these on with their pants? Do different models integrate with the I have so many questions <laughs> about goalie jocks. So if I come in off the street and say, because actually to be honest with you, I am in right now personally, I'm gonna get personal here. I'm wearing the original, like OG style warrior double cup, been an excellent protection piece. It's sort of got that second layer that sits over top. Um, I've seen Ryan Miller wear it at the NHL level, seen other guys wear it at the NHL level. It's been excellent for me. The strapping is finally, uh, one of the straps is torn almost all the way through. So I am actually going to be that guy soon that comes in and says, Cam, I need a new goalie jock. What are my options? What do you go through that process with somebody? Because how it fits with your pants, how it incorporates, like these things actually matter. We make jokes, but they matter. How do you do it? That's correct. Uh, you know what? This is a bit of a, a personal fit situation though. So it's A, finding what's most comfortable for you. Usually my first questions are, it's like, well, what are you looking for? A single cup or a double cup? Come on. Is Other than little kids, is anybody actually answering single cup these days? Uh, I mean, it does come up every now and then, but uh, I do, even my personally myself, I, I triple cup actually. So, uh, and, and I mean, we've done this story, uh, I've done it at NHL.com. I've done it uh, at Ingle Magazine over the years. Stories from guys that, like a lot of guys in the NHL are triple cup. And so what that means is you wear a traditional sort of um, jock, like a player jock, sort of tight to the body uh, with an undergarment and then a goalie double cup on top of it. So technically three layers. That is exceptionally common in the National Hockey League. Um, I have some horror stories from guys who decided to go into their first NHL practice wearing a single and quickly realized how much they needed a double or a triple. We have even talked about the nutshells. Uh, we have those and, and have had testers really like those. Those are actually bulletproof cups. We can talk about that later. But so so say, who's like single cup? Who's who's wearing it? At what age are you not wearing a single cup anymore? Uh, I mean, technically speaking, at any age, like you can well, be okay. choosing what, not what, to. What, what, at what age are sane people no longer using a single cup? I, I think age is the wrong way to put it because at the bottom line, if you're comfortable in a single cup and you perceive it as enough, like, hey, power to you at that point. But that said, um, usually once you start to, well, we call it our intermediate category, that's when you start to see uh, more options for jocks, especially in terms of uh, some are double cups, some aren't. Um, usually that's that, you know, 12 to 14-ish range. That's when you started to maybe care about, you know. Well, and you can, you can kids. To me, it's more like it's it's about how hard kids can shoot too, right? And you yes. got kids are firing, firing absolute. They got these composite rocket launchers these days, and kids are firing bombs by thirteen. So yes, uh, I'm gonna want a second layer. So hey. what are, what are our best options? Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore single cups for now. Okay, let's go double cups. What are our best options? What are the leading sellers? What are the key features? So our our top selling jock um, actually. Both of them, you can't really call them double cups, though. Um, even the one that you have, you can't really call a double cup. Why either. not? I call it a double cup. Uh, I would call it an added layer of protection because um, it's not actually a plastic cup, per you se. You say tomato, I say tomato. But that said, arguments aside, um, we will be talking about the uh, it's a Warrior Ritual X2 Pro, uh, which is uh, newer uh, last year. 
um, and as well as a Bauer Supreme. Uh, um, the Bauer Supreme in particular is actually isn't a double cup, but it does have an extra hard layer over top that has Poron in it. So you are getting, we'll call it that double cup protection. Okay, so I call mine a double cup, so we can call that Bauer Supreme a double cup as well. It may not technically be two actual cups in there, but you have that secondary layer. And in that case of the Bauer, it's a hard plastic layer, but also Poron, which is, of course, their shock absorbing foam. And we've seen the value of Poron. Uh, we've seen the value of CCM in their D3O. We've seen the lab testing. Um, there's a reason it's in my uh, my iPhone case, for example. Um, I drop it. If it absorbs impact, that seems like a good thing for a cup. That's correct. Exactly. So that kind of, again, translates right into playing hockey and stopping a puck. So that said, um, you do have more options than that. So now when we're talking about our actual two, uh, like, true or three true double cup uh, jocks at the Brian's optic, uh, the Vaughn SLR pro carbon, and then also um, the CCM pro. Those are all um, two physical actual cups uh, on the jocks itself. Um, lots of protection, but do tend to get a little bit bulkier. So as you said, with trying to integrate in them with your pants and whatnot, um, sometimes it is worth it to quickly slide them on in store, even as it's over a pair of jeans and throw on a set of pants, just to kind of make sure you have that right feel there. I kind of hope it's over a pair of jeans, to be honest with you. This is yes. like trying on swimsuits. There are are rules there, there are rules there are rules and we we like to enforce them yes um so nobody's getting down uh nobody's stripping down to try them on but it is recommended to do that so again like because it matters right how it integrates with the pair of pants uh if the double if the if there's coverage that's doubled up by the pants that creates bulk and creates a lack of mobility that's not a good thing so you actually will have guys try on their pants with the cup they want to buy also if you tuck or untuck actually um that's a big note that's uh it's glossed over pretty quickly because some of these jocks do come up higher and give you extra gut protection but if so, you're yeah, also up into the waistband yeah if you're, and if you're tucking in your chest protector that's a problem that can get in kind of the way so that's uh, all you know questions that i usually answer or riddle back to the customers or trying to figure out what jock they're looking for. And these are all factors that do end up coming into play. This is why we come to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports and check Cam out at thehockeyshop.com. Uh, because of those extra layers of knowledge, uh, doesn't just send you a cup. He needs to know how it's going to fit and how you wear the rest of your gear. Um, adjustable waistbands. Uh, I, I know for sure the Warrior has it. Looks to me like the Brian's has some adjustability there. Um, that's probably a factor as well. Yeah, for the most part, every company's got kind of that. Um, we'll, we'll find your fit. It just might take some adjusting and finding exactly what you're looking for. But um, with all of them having an adjustment, you're going to be able to, to find your fit for sure. Okay, and price points. Um, bit of a range there. I mean, like I've seen, you know, it can go, your average seems to be around $100 and get a, get it as high as $140 for the Vaughn SLR Pro Carbon. That's correct. Yeah, you're basically right in the range. I mean, we do have some things that are cheaper, but like, again, we're getting into that territory. It's like, uh, this is not a place you want to skimp on protection. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, there's there's uses for those cheaper ones especially, but uh, I would probably say, you know, around that $100 range. And, of course, we're coming at this from a male perspective. Uh, on female goaltender side, uh, do you have Jills as well? We sure do. No, we haven't forgotten about you, ladies. We do have uh, Jills. We carry a couple. Um, I believe we've Goalie got... specific. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, we've got uh, one option in the Bauer and I think another option in CCM and one from Vaughn that I know we're out of, but we are bringing some more back in. Perfect. Folks, this is why you come to the hockey shop. This is why you check out thehockeyshop.com. Nobody knows more about protecting those important sensitive areas and how to make sure it integrates with your pants and your chest protector and all those factors that make goaltenders goaltenders than Cam and his staff down here at thehockeyshop.com. Cam, they can check you out at line, online at thehockeyshop.com. Check out the latest selection and pricing on all the jocks, the goalie jocks online. But if they got questions and they want to talk to you in person, where do they call? 
Cam, thanks a lot for having us down, going over the jocks. Thank you doubly so for not trying any on in person. It's sincerely appreciated, um, but 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 it's nice to know that you do have other people to try it on to get that right fit. We'll make sure we send some people down here to put up put on a little goalie jock swimsuit show. Uh, thanks. I have a question for you, Uh-oh. Woody. Uh, did you try on your cup before you wore it or purchased it? I did not. And it's interesting, though. Obviously, we test a lot of equipment here at Engel. And I mean, I've got a garage full of it, right? So there's constantly different you know, sets of equipment coming in and out. And I have for sure noticed, I kind of went the other way, right? Like I had that warrior jock that I mentioned. Uh, Cam said it's yep. not technically a double cup, and I guess that's true, but it's got that pretty big shield in front of the cup piece. I, it's pretty protective. Uh, been very comfortable with it, never had any cringeworthy moments in it. Um, but I started with that, and I have definitely noticed as we go through different pant testing models, there are some that integrate with it beautifully, and there are others where there's interference that either cause it to shift or don't allow the pants to sit right, right based on the cup itself. So I went backwards. I started with the cup, and now I've kind of picked a set of pants that I like that fit around it. As a matter of fact, for me, the CCM Premier pants with the inner belt, I find that the, even the belt itself lines up perfectly along that. So there's sort of a front area of the cup, so you can kind of pull it tight and make sure everything stays in place. So it is important to consider how that cup is going to fit, how it's going to integrate with your pants, and how that fit can affect not only your movement, but whether when you move, everything stays in uh, the right place that's going to keep it protected. Uh, the jock that I currently wear is uh, is Monster Hockey. Uh, I bought it online. Uh, it's great, great cup. Uh, but I, I, like, I bought it online, and I knew the specs of it, but I'd never tried it on. And, and now, like, listening to you and Cam and, and really putting some thought into it, I mean, that's ludicrous not to try something on uh, I guess I could have sent it back and 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 exchanged it if it didn't 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 work. But this is the one piece that you really should try on and make sure it fits with your with your gear. And I I, I bet you it's eight percent, ten percent of people that would do it. And that and I'm being conservative with that number. That's why you go to the hockey shop because they're going to yeah. tell you to try it on. And uh, we said we like we said we got the rules. I like this one where you're not going to make sure yeah. you got the liners in there. Don't be going dropping trout heading into the can and trying it on bear. But um, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it, that it, made it, me laugh. it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. It's such an important uh, piece of protection. Now, here's the, here's the million-dollar question. And I got to say, I have written on this before, like I said, at the NHL, uh, NHL.com, did an unmasked column on it, and I'm just kicking myself. This was way back in 20, well, wait, 2017. Feels like way back now. Um, and I didn't keep the recordings of the interviews I did with the guys that had had cringeworthy moments, like Devin Duke. Are you are you going all like immature little boy on me here? Oh, but and you're just giggle. like, hey, listen, when it doesn't work, man, like guys lying yeah. in the crease. Um, you know, I think Darcy Kemper in junior when he took one, like he said he was on the couch for an entire week, like literally couldn't move for a week, just basically ice packing it for a whole week, like. There's a reason you want this stuff to fit, guys, because when it doesn't yeah. work, it hurts. Now, here's the million-dollar question, however. Forget the NHL stuff. 
And if you listen to this and, and can answer this, folks, feel free to reach out to us and share your stories. Um, we could have a whole little subset of the uh, questions with Cam here. Have you ever gotten to the rink and it's not in the bag? And what, oh, yeah. And what did you do? Go to the pro shop. What if the pro shop wasn't open? Have you ever dared play without one? No, no. Have you? Once. You're stupid. Oh, crazy dumb. And of course, the thing is, like, what is, what's your whole goal as a goaltender is to center yourself on the shot, right? Like, yeah. you're trying to get sort of middle net, have it hit you in the middle. Um, I did how I should say, I, I borrowed somebody else's, like, you know, like the shorts that the players wear with the cup yeah. built in. So it wasn't, it doesn't stay oh, in so the right something. I had something, but it doesn't stay in the right spot, right? It's not tight. Yeah. And then we just stuffed two sets of of player socks, like you know, the old knit player socks that they were. Stuffed yeah. two of those down the front. But sure enough, I took one right there during the game. And uh, let's just say it wasn't the same level of protection as the uh, as a actual goalie cup would offer. What are you gonna do? Hey, listen, it's like the backup stick. Like you gotta have something. And uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should. I, I was just showing you the our bulletproof cup. Maybe I shouldn't have this in my office. Maybe I should just keep this in my bag as a spare, right? Eh? Ah, uh, yeah, and I thought uh, you not wearing a dangler was the worst uh, thing that you uh, do at the rink. Hey, listen. Little did I know that it was was dangling going unprotected. <laughs> was Nobody's ever accused me of being all that bright there. You ever, ever break one? You ever have a, a cup break? No, I have not. I have no, not. We I have. It's, uh, it's, it's, like, it's scary when you go, oh, my, that could have been, like, if I yeah. wasn't really wearing some good gear. Wow. Uh, so just, yeah, go to a place, get fitted properly for a cup. And there's, there, if I could give anybody advice in all seriousness, wear the athletic support underneath to, to make sure everything's tight and then, and then wear, wear a double cup. There's not, there, you, you cannot have too much protection in this area. I mean, make sure it fits for your size, whether you're a, a peewee hockey player or a, or a midget, or a junior, or a pro. Make sure it fits fits your your body type. But uh, but yeah, wear an athletic support, and then you're you can't be too put too protected. Or you too could end up like Darcy Kemper. I actually just found the story as you were talking, Darren. Quote Darcy Kemper: I was on crutches for three days because I couldn't walk. I couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't even stand up. Ugh. Yeah, that is, and that was in junior. I think it was a deflected puck. So, um, yeah. There's a reason the guys in the show wear three. Many guys wear three, at least two. Uh, make sure it fits. Make sure it fits. And uh, and that that technology and the fit and the performance from the belly part to uh, to to the cup has really come a long way too. So there's no reason why you should be wearing old technology and uh, and it's just just not smart. No, so you, you know, you like you, everybody has a guy in their locker room, especially when you reach a certain vintage where yeah. he's a player and he's wearing like, he's proud that he's got these shoulder pads from like 1945 and there's nothing to them. They're just basically felt and they do nothing. Like if I was just throw a hoodie, yeah. a hoodie on underneath there, buddy. Um, this is not how you should treat uh, your goalie cup purchase. There's new tech out there. We talked about the Bauer with the pour on, uh, the, there's sort of impact absorbing foam in there, multiple layers, different brands, different adjustability and fit. It's easy to get one that fits and performs. Make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com to get one that fits and performs for you. Make sure everything's tight on this, uh, nuts and bolts episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast, uh, for Kevin Woodley, I'm Darren Millard on behalf of David Hutchison. Thanks for listening. Be safe, be smart and talk.
if you want, because there's always somebody there to listen. And if you don't talk, nobody will ever hear you. Have a good week. 